0: morning Faith Church. We're having a good day so far. We're going to keep it going. Welcome to Faith Florence today. So glad you guys are here. Would you put your hands together and help me welcome everyone watching in Lawrenceburg, at home, wherever it is that you are. Thank you guys for being here as well. Like Pastor Ronnie said, my name is Adam. I'm the executive pastor here and so excited to be with you as we are in week two of the series we kicked off last week called The Perfect gift. Can you um, wrap your mind around the fact that we are two weeks away from Christmas? Right. Now, didn't we just do this yeah. like a month ago is what it seems like? Two weeks to Christmas. And so that means if you're like me, that means it's time to start shopping, right? right. Any other last minute shoppers out there? Yeah. That's my people raising your hands. That's... How many of you here, you're not, you're the other kind of people and you're done Christmas shopping two weeks before? Wow. Look at that. That's impressive. You know, early Christmas shoppers, they're like vegans and crossfitters. They like, they'll let you know that they're early Christmas shoppers. And the way they do it, they're sly, they're slick, right? So here, here's the trick to spot an early Christmas shopper. They'll come up and they'll be like, so you done with your Christmas shopping? And they're not really asking if you're done. What they're doing is they're telling you they're done. And they're kind of rubbing it in your face that you're probably not. That's how they get by with it. I'm not an early Christmas shopper. Bought a couple, but I got a long way to go and not a lot of time to get there. So if you see me running all over town, you know what I'm doing, trying to get it in at the last minute. But I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. I love getting to spend time with family. I love the food that comes along with Christmas, right? See, I'm not all about that life where, listen, let me set y'all free, right? People get into this. I don't know why. My family, maybe we're weird but everybody wants to go like, well, we'll just do finger foods because everybody else is doing the traditional stuff. The problem is when everybody says we'll do the finger foods, then nobody does the traditional stuff. So I want the traditional foods. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to watch some football on TV. It's going to be awesome. But I love Christmas is all about the what? It's all about the presents, right? It's all about the gifts. Somebody earlier tried to get super spiritual. And they're like, it's all about Jesus. I'm like, Yeah. That's like everything's all about Jesus, right? There's one thing that makes Christmas different from every other holiday, and that's that you give gifts, right? There's three things actually you can do with gifts. You can give gifts. Does anybody like giving gifts? Like you're that giver. You love to give gifts. You love to see, you know, how your hard work and all thought, how it, how many of you like to receive gifts? Be honest. Raise your hands. That's the honest people. Like, first service, I was like, How many of you like to give gifts? And every hand in the room, like 400 people, are like, Me? And they're like, How many likes to receive gifts? And they're like, You know, like, you liars. Like, it's <laughs> all y'all like to receive gifts. You didn't raise your hand. You like to receive gifts. So you can give gifts. You can receive gifts. And number three, you know what else you can do? You can exchange gifts. And depending on who you have in your life, that might be really good news for you, right? Because sometimes the best gift you can give is a gift receipt to go along with your gift because you're gonna be one of the thousands of people that after Christmas, you're gonna be back in line returning whatever was bought for you, right? You can exchange gifts. And so today we're, we're talking about that, that idea of the perfect gift. Last week, Pastor Steve kind of opened the series with a really famous story that takes us all the way back to one of the very first Christmases. It talks about um, Jesus and his family. It talks about some wise men and the gifts that these wise men gave. We pick up Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Scripture says that they, the wise men, entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. It says, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh gold frankincense and myrrh these perfect gifts for jesus right now one thing it's important to note because some people get it twisted these these wise men right they're also known as magi they're not kings so like i know there's the old song it's like we three kings of orient are or like they weren't kings they were wise men magi is actually if you go back to like the original language, the word that you get magi from is the same word that we get the word magic from. So in this day and time, they were, they were astrologers. They were men um, from, from like the Arabic world that, that practiced magic in some way. So basically the picture you get is you've got like Gandalf and Dumbledore like coming to worship Jesus. And people like glaze over it because I want you to know how big of a deal this is that even the pagan peoples of Jesus' day, even the people that were, that were seeking to try to find truth in all these, these Eastern religions and all this astrology and all these different things that, that they came down and they bowed down and worshiped Jesus. And they gave him these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Last week, Pastor Steve said it this way. He said that the perfect gift is personable and valuable. Now see, we know that these, these perfect gifts, we know they weren't wrapped. Y'all know that, right? You know how we know they weren't wrapped? The Bible doesn't tell us they weren't wrapped. It doesn't go into that detail. But here's how I know they weren't wrapped. Number one, they were given by men. Ah, right? right? And number two, scripture says these men were what? Wise. There we go. See? Wise men don't wrap gifts. Wise men understand that the second greatest creation in Christmas, right behind mistletoe, come on. (laughs) Mistletoe is one, the gift bag is number two. You buy the gift, buy the bag, put said gift in said bag, you're done. There's no corners, there's no tape, there's no bows, there's none of that. Take the gifts, we put them in the bag, we give it to you, we say Merry Christmas. But the perfect gift, it has nothing to do with how it's wrapped and how it's packaged. First off, we said it's personable, like it's specific to the person that's receiving the gift. It shows that me as a gift giver, that I know you as the gift receiver, that I I understand what you like and what you don't like, what you need and what you don't need, that, that I'll put some thought into the gift that I'm giving you. Right. Secondly, that it's valuable. Now, not that it's expensive. It doesn't have to be an expensive gift, but, but to give the perfect gift, we said last week, it has to cost you something, right? Maybe it's something that, like, you made or put thought into or you had to go out of your way. Like, you, you made a sacrifice to give this gift, And that's exactly what happened when we look at this story of these wise men. When we look at at how they gave these gifts to God, how to give them to Jesus, it was very personal that, that all three of these gifts prophesied something about Jesus. And it was also sacrificial because all three gifts were very valuable. Last week, Pastor Steve talked about gold and how the gift of gold represented that they understood that Jesus would be king, not just any king, that Jesus would be the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, that, that gold represented that power. If you missed it, go back. It's online. Pastor Steve knocked that one out of the park. So today, we're going to talk about the second gift. We're going to talk about frankincense, what it said about Jesus, and what it says about us, what it prophesies about him and what it promises to us as his followers. You see, frankincense isn't as obviously widely known about as gold. Like You guys still understand the value of gold. What you might not understand about frankincense is that in Jesus' day, frankincense was actually more valuable than gold. Frankincense is a um, very expensive substance, um, especially in Jesus' day, it was almost impossible to grow the trees that produce frankincense anywhere but the Arabian Peninsula. So see, way before the countries of Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia, way before these, these Arabic countries became very wealthy because of the oil reserves that were found there, Roman historians tell us that in Jesus' day, the, the Arabian people that they were the wealthiest people group on the planet because of frankincense. You see, it was was this substance that was very time-consuming to harvest, and so that meant it was very low in supply, but it was also very high in demand because it was used in all different forms of religious ceremonies. So basic economics tells us that if something is in low supply and high demand, guess what that does to the price? Yeah, right? Make it rain because I can charge you whatever I want to charge you because there's people out there that will pay it. And that's exactly what happened with frankincense and the Arabian peoples. History tells us that, in fact, frankincense alone is responsible for creating the trade routes from southern Arabia to India, the Mediterranean, and all the way up to China. That people began trading with these countries right? These people groups, because they had access to frankincense that nobody else had. It was extremely, extremely valuable in Jesus' day. It was time-consuming to harvest, so to harvest frankincense, you would have to go out. There's one specific tree that's an evergreen tree that grows close to limestone out in the desert. The harvester would have to go out. They would have to carve a, a five-inch incision in the tree. They would line the ground with palm leaves. And over a period of two to three months, the sap from the tree would begin to run down the trunk into the palm leaves and then it would harden there. A few months later, the harvester would come back. They would gather the hardened resin or the gum that would become frankincense and they could grind it up and it could be burned as incense and in religious ceremonies. It could be um, diffused and kind of um, used to create oils that would then turn into anointing oils and um, perfumes. Frankincense is very like aromatic, like it smells. All the way into our day today, frankincense today, just like in these ancient times, is coveted for its um, medicinal properties, right? Like it's, it's known for its healing properties, How many, like anybody out here that you're an essential oils person? Like you're one of those people, right? My wife made me a believer. I mean, we got one of the the little diffuser things in the bedroom, right? And you pour the oil in and it makes the room smell good. When you talk about frankincense and like the, the oil or the frankincense incense, the burning of it, even in our world today, pharmacologists, right? So like clinical researchers have proven scientific fact that frankincense treats any number of medical issues. If you suffer from nausea, um, if you have, like, heart issues, if you struggle with, like, inflammation in your joints, so, like, arthritis, things like that, frankincense is clinically proven to help with the um, treating of all those different illnesses. Clinical researchers have proven that, that frankincense, right, the aroma of it, that it specifically treats the emotions in our brain that deal with depression and anxiety. If you deal with these things, frankincense treats that. So it's a healing substance. So last week when Pastor Steve talks about gold, he said it this way. He said that the gift of gold was a recognition of royalty, right? That Jesus would be the king, the king of kings, So they gave him gold. Today we're going to talk about the gift of frankincense and how it was a declaration of divinity. That frankincense, as these magi, right? These wise men, as they gave this gift to Jesus, what they were saying and what it was showing in its significance was that it was prophesying that Jesus wouldn't just be our king, but that he would also be our priest, that he would be the king of kings and our great high priest. And it's so significant because especially in Jesus' day and age, it was one thing to have a ruler who ruled over all, but it was another thing entirely to have someone who cared for all. And those two, different, those two qualities were very rarely found in the same person. Like being all-powerful typically did not mean You were all caring, right? Powers corrupting, right? These wise men knew of Jesus, even at an early age, that no, 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 this kid, this promised Messiah, he's gonna be different. He's gonna be royalty, but he's also divinity. He's holy. He's set apart. See, under the old covenant, we talk about priesthood. Under the old covenant, the priests were the men who who represented the people before God. So the priest would accept your sacrifice and the priest would intercede with God on your behalf. The priest was your go-between. And so these gifts were prophesying of who Jesus would become that we wouldn't have to have a man who is a priest that he would be our go-between, that Jesus himself would ultimately be our representative before God. That he wouldn't just rule over all, that he would care for all, that he would care for you because he cares about you. And that was revolutionary in this day and age. And so, today, with the time we've got left, we know that these magi gave gifts to Jesus. And we know that Jesus and his family received the gifts that the wise men gave. The time we have left today, I want to talk about the exchange. I want to talk about how these gifts are exchanged in, in God's exchange policy. What does that look like? Because you see, when we talk about God's exchange policy, it's, it's not like you were given a pair of socks and you take them back and you get to exchange them for a necktie, right? Or, or a wallet or a belt or the multi-tool weird things that they put in the middle of the aisleways, you know? It's not where you take a gift back and you get to exchange it for something of equal or lesser value. See, God's exchange policy is that whatever it is you give him, he gives it back to you in way more ways than you could ever think. Scripture says immeasurably more than you could think. So we're gonna talk about some exchanges that because... Jesus, that we can look at him through this lens of him being our great high priest, what does that mean for us in these exchanges? If you're taking notes, write this first one down. That when we give God our worry, God gives us his peace. You talk about an exchange. If you give him your worry, he gives you peace. Look at what scripture says, First Peter Chapter 5, verse 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. See, that's a big statement because it's not that big of a stretch for most people to wrap their brain around the fact that there's a God, that there's some higher power out there. But it's a whole different thing for you to be able to wrap your brain around the fact that that God that all-powerful, all-knowing being that created everything, that he cares about you and what you're going through and what you're experiencing. And Peter tells us, give everything that you worry about to him because he cares about you. Jesus said this in John 16, He said, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Right. For here on this earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but he says, "Take heart, because I have overcome the world." You see, as you go into Christmas time specifically, um, marketing firms and all these professional advertising agencies they do a really good job of marketing Christmas as a time of good tidings and good times. It's it's celebrations and everybody's smiling and. Right? There's 584 Hallmark movies that will be released in the next couple of weeks. And all of them, right? Like, oh, it's this, it's this strain, but everything's perfect. And it all turns out great in this winter wonderland. And everybody's happy because that's what Christmas is about. But the truth, when you dive into the holiday time, especially Christmas, is that holidays have a, an amazing ability to put a spotlight Not just on celebration, but on difficulty. It amplifies the difficult things that you're going through in your life. Think about the relational pressures, right? The things that we worry about. At no other time but Christmas time, do we feel like we have to to put on a show? So we go and we spend all this money that maybe we don't have to buy these outfits that nobody wants to wear so we can pay somebody to take pictures of us, so we can put it on a card and send it to people that we barely know so that they'll think, this is my perfect happy family and we've got it all together and it's all okay because it's a Christmas card and it's perfect. And it brings about these unrealistic expectations of perfection and performance. And you go to all these right, family get-togethers, right? And maybe you're that person, right? Like, so when are you gonna get married? you know? And you're like, shut up, Grandma, you know, like I don't need the pressure. Maybe you are married. It's like, so when's when's some grandkids gonna come? You know, and like stop. I don't want to deal with that. Yet. We can joke about those things, but like, I've experienced family members. Maybe it is that you're you're one of those couples that it's not that uncommon that maybe you're, you you want to have kids, but maybe you're struggling with that, and and it's pressure when you come into those family environments and everybody's when you having kids? When's this? And it's pressure because you know, like, I, that's my greatest heart desire, but I don't know. And I don't need you asking me about it. Relational pressures don't even bring up the financial pressures, right? I remember back when my kids, like, they, their wish list was like, you know, Liam, my youngest, is six. And like, my dad asked me the other day, he's like, hey, what's Liam asking for for Christmas? You know, and I... I feel like yesterday is when he was asking for like Nerf guns and like, you know, Paw Patrol action figures, right? And this year it's like a flamethrower, a golf cart or a four-wheeler and a virtual reality gaming system. And I'm like, what? Like, Bud, Santa don't operate that way. Yeah, he does. Whatever you ask for, you get. And I'm like, I I don't know about that. There's pressure because you want to You want to be able to buy all these things? You want to be able to give these gifts? Because that's my heart, man. I want you to have everything you could ever imagine. And so that can bring pressure, right? It can be difficult to go through those things. And God promises in this exchange that if you'll give him those worries, he'll give you his peace. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. See, that's the greatest gift you could ever imagine. And whatever it is that you're striving for in your life and working towards, that is your ultimate goal. Whether you think that that comes on the end of a big cushy corner office or a big paycheck or this relationship or that neighborhood or whatever it is, the real thing that we're all searching for is peace of mind and peace of heart. I just want peace. I want I want to know it's going to be okay. And Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. And it's the exact thing that, you're, that you so want in your life. And he says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So you're not going to find that peace anywhere but in God. But because he cares for us and he loves us, all we have to do is take all that worry and that stress and that anxiety and say, God, you got to deal with this. And in turn, he gives you peace. The next exchange, love this one. When we give God our hurts, God gives us his healing. Psalm 147 verse 3 says that, that he, Jesus, heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. See, maybe you're here, maybe you're in Lawrenceburg watching online, and maybe you know that, that this holiday season, you're going to be forced to come face-to-face with some pain in your life. Maybe it's pain from the past that, that you've done something, right, that something's been done to you in the past that, that you've got to deal with that. We talk to people all the time, right, that like, this is the Christmas that I my kids are going to go be with the other parent and I I won't have my kids for the holiday and it's painful, right? It hurts. Maybe it's not the pain of the past. Maybe it's the pain of the present and, and you're going through something right now that you're having to deal with. And Jesus says, if you'll give me those hurts, I'll give you my healing. I'll bind up that broken heart like I'll heal it I'll fix it. And then the amazing thing about Jesus, because he's the great high priest, is that you know, like when you when you buy some gifts at Christmas, some of them come with like those bonus gifts. It's like if you buy this, you get the bag full of the goodies thrown in. The same thing is true about the pain and the hurt that we go through in life. That Jesus promises us that when we will give him that hurt and he gives us that healing, that in turn, at the same time, at some point, he then lets you turn around and he'll give you opportunities to use your new wholeness to help someone else's brokenness. That none of your pain is wasted. That there's a purpose behind the hurt. Look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says. This is the message translation. It says that he, Jesus, comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. See, God gives the perfect gifts. And for some of you that might be experiencing some hurt this holiday season, you need to know that there's a purpose behind it. And that you might be going through something right now, and that God's gonna get you through it. And the reason you're going through it is because there's somebody in your life that needs you to have that life experience so that when they go through it, you can be there to help them along through it. That God will get you through it, and there's purpose in it because He loves you and He cares for you. And if you'll give Him that hurt, I promise you, healing will happen in Jesus' name because He said it would, because He's our priest. loves you that much. Number three, when we give God our grief, God gives us his joy. See, there's no no hiding it that that Christmas especially, it can be a, a very sad time. Maybe you're like me and going into this season, like you've experienced a great loss in your life at some point this last year. I lost my grandmother had to do her funeral back in June. And she was, she was the coolest lady, y'all. Like, she was super intelligent and funny, but like, she was bold and like, she was, she was so special. And at 36 years old, I was still her baby boy, right? Like, I was, and as I, as I personally go into this season, I know. That for the first time in 36 years, I won't get to give a gift to my granny. She won't be there to to ooh and all over whatever it is that I thought was going to be the perfect gift for her. I'll be honest with you. It's going to be hard. When we sit down at that family Christmas and and there's a hole. It's going to be difficult. But the truth, because we have a great high priest, is that if we'll give him that grief, he will give us joy unspeakable. Look at this. John chapter 16, verse 20. Jesus himself speaking. He said, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me. What was going to happen? He was going to die. He knew he was going away, and he knew that his disciples were going to have a very difficult time dealing with his absence. That everything that they'd grown to know about life and how they interacted with everything, that Jesus was was there with them, and he knew, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to go through some things, and then I'm going to be gone, and you will weep. You will grieve. But look, keep reading. He says, but... The world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. How, like, how does that work? How do you flip grief into joy? And the crazy thing is that this whole story that we've talked about, right? Like these, this first Christmas, you can go all the way back to the promise that the angels gave the shepherds in the field, The book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says, But the angel reassured them, the shepherds, he said, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You see, this Christmas, wonderful joy, great joy can be yours. And it doesn't matter what circumstances you're facing. It doesn't matter what loss you've experienced. Joy is available to you. All you have to do is this, say, Jesus, this grief I'm feeling, this hurt, this hole that I feel in my life, I give it to you. And that's the perfect gift for Jesus. Because he's waiting for you to give it to him. And he's waiting to exchange it for something you can't even imagine. Give him that grief and he'll give you his joy. Number four, when we give God our fears, God gives us his love. 1 John 4.18 says that there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Most all of us know John 3.16, Right? King James Version says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, there's no fear in that. You know the end. Everlasting life is promised. But you see, when we talk about these fears, it's not that we're just going into a season that we're celebrating and looking back on the end of one year. We're looking Forward to the beginning of another. And for some of you, it's scary to know what's coming in 2020. Think about that. We are 20 years into the 2000s. 20 years. Like, I feel like we talk about the 90s. That was like five years ago. Right? Some of you feel like we talk about the 70s. That was like five years ago. Time is going by so fast, and for so many of us, it's it's fun to look back and to reminisce and to think about the good times, and maybe you're one of those people that you're really excited about 2020, because there's some really big things coming your way, but maybe as you're kind of ending one year and getting ready to look into another, as you're facing this holiday season, maybe there's fear there. See, I've made it to the point where I've got friends who, who they know going into this Christmas season, they know this is the last Christmas that they're going to have their, their kids at home for Christmas, that they're going to move, graduate, and they're going to move off to college, and that everything that you've ever known is your normal for the last 18, 20 years. Like, it's, it's different now. And it scares you because you don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that's going to feel like. I don't know how I'm going to let go because I know I'm never going to get it back. And Jesus says, listen, if you'll give me that fear, I'll give you my perfect love. And it's a promise. Look at Zephaniah 3.17. It says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He's a mighty Savior, and he will take delight in you with gladness. says with his love he will calm all of your fears what is it that that you're scared of what is it that you're facing this Christmas season or 2020 that you don't know how you're going to deal with it whatever it is if you'll give it to him he'll exchange it for more than you could ever imagine I don't know what grief or fear pain and doubt stress and anxiety. I don't know what you're dealing with as you sit here and listen to me talk, but here's what I know. That this last statement, and I'm going to be done, that listen, it is a promise from Jesus himself that if you will give God your praise, he will give you his presence. Whatever it is that you're holding on to, whatever it is that you're you're trying to deal with on your own. Scripture is very clear that if you will trust him with it and you'll let it go, that he will show up in the midst of all of it. Look at this, Psalms 22 verse three says that, that you God are holy, that you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. I found a Japanese translation of that scripture it said it this way. It said, when you praise God, he brings a big chair and he sits there. That whatever it is you're facing, maybe it's a time of great joy for you as we go into this holiday season. Or maybe it's a struggle. The way you overcome it is to let go of it. And our God is so incredible That when you give him yourself, he gives you his son. And he shows up and everything changes. Your perspective shifts. You have a great high priest that wants to take that worry and that pain and that fear. And he wants to take it away because he loves you and he cares for you. And he says, listen, if you'll praise me in the middle of it, I'll change it all. I'll exchange what you don't want and I'll give you more than you could ever imagine. But it's gonna take you letting go. So we're gonna go into worship. I want you to stand to your feet and listen. With every breath that you have in your lungs, whatever it is you're facing, I want you to sing like you've never sang. I want you to worship like you've never worshiped. Because the exchange is available and you don't even need a receipt. You just say, God, I don't want to deal with this anymore and I'm going to give it to you today and he's going to give you so much more than you could ever imagine. Come on guys, let's worship together.